0: have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory will you bow with me for a word of prayer our father in heaven as you look down on us here you certainly understand our emotions and our feelings and thank you that through christ jesus our lord there is victory over death and hell and satan victory over death there's hope victory in jesus how grateful we are for that today how grateful we are that mandy had experienced that victory through christ jesus and his shed blood and i pray for mel today and his children their children and mel and mandy's grandchildren in this time of loss may the comfort of god and the peace of god be theirs throughout this service throughout this day and in the days and weeks and months and years to come as long as you have for them and as long as you might tarry heavenly father thank you for your presence and blessing here we commit this service to you the Petersheim family and the Slaybaugh family to you and ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll give uh, order of the service as we expect to have it conducted here today. Before I give a meditation, we surely do welcome you here and thank you that you're here for this service as we pay our respects to Mandy and to Mandy's Lord especially and most of all. After the meditation, uh, Jordan Stoltzfus will lead in, in two congregational songs. After that, Glenn Miller, one of our pastors here, will give the sermon after which uh, a number of the Peter Schein and all family members will have some time and a few prepared statements and memories about Mandy, about their mom and sister. After that, um, John Lewis Lapp, also one of our pastors, will read the obituary and lead in prayer. Then there will be a couple announcements after and then the the final viewing close to the end of the service. Well, death is so real. We've experienced it just once again and it's so much a part of our existence and it's often a frustration. The Bible says that the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. But then we also remember that Death is swallowed up in victory, and so we don't sorrow as those who have no hope, but we sorrow some today, yes. Um, The Bible gives expressive language and describes death in different ways, various ways, and we'd like to, just for a few minutes here, look at a few of those, especially I'm thinking of... Pictures of death in the book of Job. Now, Job and his friends, as he was going through that intense and terrible suffering, um, in various chapters and places, he and his, Job and his friends uh, talk about death. They were very interested in death and even preoccupied with death. If you have your Bibles, you could move to Job 14, where there is talk about death. I'm looking at Job 14.2, where Job himself says, Job 14, 1 and 2. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. So the picture of death that we see here, that he describes here, is that death is a cutting down of a flower. Or verse 7, a tree. Death is like a cutting down. And when a plant, a tree or a flower is cut down, obviously there's no fruitfulness. So death is like a fruitless, death is fruitless. Death is fruitless. There's what was vibrant and lovely and productive, and as I talk about that, I think of the life of Mandy, vibrant and lovely and productive, all of a sudden, in a night and a day's time, it's cut down. Death is fruitless, Job says in 14.2. And then if we go to Job uh, two two chapters further down, Job 16, Job again says, When a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. So death is not only fruitless, but death is so final. When a few years are come, Then I shall go the way whence I will not return. The Bible talks about life here as a way. Um, Other places in scripture, it talks about life like a highway, Isaiah 35. And as a path, Psalm 119, 105. Life is like a path, like a highway. And, well, just like Job said it a couple thousand years ago, I shall go the way whence I shall not return. It's a one-way path, a one-way street to to what? To oblivion? It's one way. Then going on to Job 18, in verse 14, I think this was Bildad the Shuhite that said this. He calls... his confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle and it shall bring him to the king of terrors. And obviously what is being referred to here is death, being called the king of terrors. King of terrors, certainly death for many people. Death in the Old Testament times for these people, death yet for those who are not in Christ, even yet today is full of terror, just the thought of it. Um, the New Testament says that Christ came to deliver those who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage. The thought of death. Death is the king of terrors, the final one. And yet I'm so happy to say, having noticed those three here, death is so fruitless. Death is so fearsome. Death is so final. I am so happy to say that for Mandy, death was... None of those, not the thought of death, the fear of death, death itself, I don't think she experienced fruitlessness and finality and fearsomeness at all. And that's because Mandy was born twice. She was born the first time back in 1950. And sometime since that, she was born again. She was born of the spirit, like Jesus talks about in John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. She gained that everlasting life through the blood of Jesus and her acceptance of Christ's finished work on the cross. Because of that, death was not fruitless or final or fearsome. Thank God that death for you and death for me can be exactly the same way. And I look now quickly at the New Testament and look at just a few pictures of death and word pictures there. In 2 Peter 1.5, Peter is talking about his future death, and he calls it a, de- a decease. A decease—that's the word in the old, um, in the King James Bible, a decease. And when one looks up that word, the literal meaning of that is an exodus. So Peter was saying that his death will be an exodus, a decease. And when one thinks of the word exodus, don't you automatically think back of that exodus from Egypt that? evening long ago when the nation of israel was exited the land of egypt the land of slavery the land of sin the land of um, struggle and they exited that and headed toward the promised land that's what death was for mandy that's what death is for people today a decease is an exodus on our way to real live freedom death is not fearless is not fearsome or final or fruitless for the Christian, but death is a step of freedom, an exodus. In 2 Timothy 4, six, Paul, speaking about his impending death, called it a, de- a departure. Death is a departure. Death is an exodus that leads to freedom. Death is also a departure that leads to fulfillment. Departure, that word was used in their, their day to... One meaning of that word was to hoist anchor and to set sail. You know, a nautical term, ships at sea. Ships aren't meant to weigh anchor at the dock in the harbor. They're not made to weigh anchor at the dock or the harbor. Ships are made for to sail on the wide sea. In the same way, or in a similar way, a departure, the death for a Christian, Um, is that of unloosening that, bringing up the anchor, unloosening the ship and letting it sail because ships were made to sail just like Christians were created for the vast ocean of heaven. So when Paul talks about his departure, he's thinking about sailing on the sea to heaven, that vast and eternal land of heaven. What a great fulfillment. Being untethered from the unfulfillment of this life and being free to, fo- to great fulfillment in Christ Jesus' departure. Then, thirdly, as we think a the third picture in the, Old, the New Testament is a familiar one, that of sleep. Death is like a sleep. Acts 7, John 11, talk about how uh, uh, you and other places... Mention how that death is asleep death is asleep. That's what you thought Mandy was doing the other day. Mel last evening when we went past the casket, Wanda said she looks like she's sleeping. Death for the Christian is like a sleep. Sleep is just temporary. death is just temporary, and something when one is sleeping it that that is such a comfortable feeling, so fearless. Death is a fearless situation. Death is like a sleep. Death is not for for Christians, for Mandy, hopefully for us all, every soul here today. Death is not fruitless. Death is not final. Death is not fearsome. But it's that of freedom and fulfillment and like a sleep, fearless. Mandy was born twice. She only needs to die once. And I heard it said once, and I finish with this thought, that those who are born twice need die only once. Thank God. Thank God. Jordan, if you will lead us in some congregational songs, please.
1: Turn to number
2: 806. Today, as we grieve and as sorrows like sea billows round us roll, we also look forward to the day, as verse 4 says, when my faith shall be sight. 806, when peace like a river.
3: When peace
2: Number 983, 983 just over yonder.
1: Well, I too want to offer my condolences to you Mel, and Anthony and Chrissy and Michael and your families. Leave, losing your wife and mother and grandmother leaves a big hole and brings a lot of sorrow and grief for you. But I appreciate your testimony, Mel. It's her gain. It's a loss to you all, but it's her gain. It's a tremendous gain for Mandy. So we're here to celebrate and remember her life. And to maybe somehow in some way provide closure or recognition. Or recognizing that you know, death for what it is. But most importantly, we're, we're celebrating her life. Uh, Mandy was never so alive as she is right now in the presence of Jesus. I don't have many distinct memories of Mandy, but one that has been replaying itself over and over again in my mind the last couple of days I'd like to share with you um, it was more than 20 years ago that um, Mel and Mandy's son Anthony was in a very bad car accident, and as I remember, he was uh, in the hospital for days or maybe a week before uh, before responding. Um, and so we we several of us guys went to see him um, just as he was coming out of um, his unresponsive state, and we walked into the room and he mumbled something to us and i didn't know what he said but i don't do real well in those situations i was already getting lightheaded and a little claustrophobic so i walked back out and i was walking down the hallway and i heard somebody behind me and it was mandy and he said he knows your name he knows your name and to her, it brought a lot of comfort knowing that uh, her son, who had just received a major head injury, was recognizing his his friends, people. She found hope in that he knew my, he knew my name. And that's about the only really distinct memory that I've had of Mandy the last couple of days. Of course, we interact with her here at church, but... I'm not part of the family. You all have many memories of her, I'm sure. So now Mandy has met Jesus and is in his presence. And it's pretty easy for me just to picture her after meeting Jesus running down the streets of heaven saying, He knows my name. He knows my name. And Jesus does know her name. He certainly does. Well, God, when he created the world, he wanted people to be relational with him. He wanted them to know his name. He wanted to know their name. He wanted a relationship with his creation. And, of course, we know that man, as a result of pride and selfishness, fell into sin, and that relationship with God has been strained because of sin. But God desired to have a people who he could relate to and lead, people who would worship him and relate to him, follow him, communicate with him, someone who would know his name. So he chose Abraham and his descendants to be his people. And he didn't choose them because of their righteousness or because of who they were, but but they became special because he chose them And all through the history of Abraham's descendants, God has wanted a relationship with them. Listen to these verses from the prophet Isaiah. But now thus says the Lord, and he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And he goes on to say um, later on in the chapter, uh, All nations gather together, and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right, and let them, let them hear and say It is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. God wanted his people to know him by name. And later in that same chapter, he talks about the people that he had chosen falling away from him, turning their backs on the very one who had created them so that he could know them by name. David understood the significance of God knowing his name in Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. That's as if David is saying, you know my name, you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is bright as day. For darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. David understood the value and the blessing of God knowing him and thinking about him. And by the way, for you as family, as you grieve, know that God's number of thoughts toward you is more than the sand of the sea. He cares about you, He knows your name. And his thoughts are toward you. David is excited about that. And he invites God into an even deeper relationship when he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. And try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Right now, even in the center of deep grief and pain, what a blessing to know that God knows Mandy's name. How precious to know that God designed Mandy he knitted her together, and he counted out her days even before she had lived one of them. My wife and I regret that we did not stop in to see Mandy since she was laid up the last few months. We thought there would be more time. A couple of weeks ago, she called just to clarify her condition and, and let us know um, how we could better pray for her as a church. And and we do pray for her, we did pray for her, but I regret that we didn't stop in and pray with her. I'm guessing there's more of you that share in that regret. And and maybe even as a husband or as children, you try to conjure up some scenario that in your mind where things could have turned out differently than what we have here today. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go back and try to relive the past. God counted out the days for your wife and your mother before she had lived one of them. He's in control. And it's hard for us to feel that on a day like today, but it's important to know that God knows Mandy's name. He formed her and he counted out her days and then he took her home. Jesus, when he was here on earth, he said this I am the good shepherd. This charge I received from my Father. So God knows our name. He measures out our days. And his son Jesus knows our name. And he is our shepherd. He is the one who leads us and guides us. We are well known and well loved and well cared for by God and his son Jesus Christ. And in Ephesians 1 Know our name, as Isaiah stated. And he counted out our days, as David mentions in Psalm 139. And not only does Jesus know us and care for us, as we see in his own words, and he gave his life for us, but the Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal or a deposit guaranteeing the fullness of our inheritance as children of God. God knows Mandy's name. Jesus knows Mandy's name. And when she was here with us, the Holy Spirit sealed her, sealed in her heart the name of Jesus until she received the fullness of her inheritance. Sometimes we feel like death is the end. It ends relationships. It ends communication and interaction with our loved ones. It takes people away from us. But death is the doorway to eternity in the presence of Jesus. Death allows us to leave behind a decaying, corrupt world that has been and is and will continue to be in turmoil. And we can trade that for glory, for heaven, for truth and peace and forever being in the presence of Jesus, the one who loves us, the one who knows us, and the one who gave his life for us. We find relevance and significance when others know our name. It is meaningful to us. And I'm somewhat fascinated by my own ignorance. It was two days ago that I learned of Mandy's maiden name. And I'm still not 100% sure how to pronounce it. But I don't recall her lifting up her name. I don't recall her speaking about herself much at all. She was different than me in that regard. I appreciate being introduced. I like when people know my name. But I'm somewhat amazed as I think back about how little I knew of her or about her. Mandy understood that her significance did not come from me knowing her name or others knowing her name but from God knowing her name, from Jesus knowing her name, and from the Holy Spirit sealing his name on her life. Her life is a testimony to knowing God. When we know the name of Jesus, everything changes. Isaiah the prophet, when speaking of Jesus the Messiah, said that through his name, Jesus' name, All the nations will have hope. It is in the name of Jesus that we have hope. And there are names that people, uh, especially right now in a political climate, hope in. But we hope in Jesus, ultimately, for our salvation. His name makes all the difference. John 3.18 says, He who believes on him, Jesus, he who believes on him is not judged, because he does not He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus on the cross took the judgment that we deserve as sinners, and he took it on himself so that I would not be judged. And instead of the judgment, I receive his inheritance, his righteousness. I inherit what his name represents. Knowing the name of Jesus makes all the difference in the world, and it makes all the difference in eternity as well. John 1.12 says, as many as received him, to them gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believed in his name. It is not our name that is significant. It is Jesus' name that bears significance, and it is through his name that we become God's children. Mandy understood this. And it may just seem to me to be a small thing that I never heard her mention her maiden name, but to me it testifies of her understanding of where her significance lied with God knowing her name. 1 John 5 This is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes on the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Through the name of Jesus and knowing him, we receive confidence and assurance of our eternal life. Mandy testified of this, and now she is experiencing real, eternal, abundant life. Life in the presence of the one who formed her, the one who died for her, and the one who provided righteousness for her the one who adopted her into his loving family and the one who sealed her until the day that she experienced the fullness of her reward. Mandy is no longer here. She is there with her Savior, the one who knows her name, the one whose name she knows. And while the parting is painful, it is indeed her gain. And it can be temporary. You can know God And you can be known of God. You can call on his name. You can receive the promise of eternal life without judgment. And you can receive the righteousness that comes from believing in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We too can know the Lord and be known of him. And receive the reward and the promise that he has given to us. For me personally, the memory of Mandy is not tied to knowing her name, but to Jesus knowing her name. There is power in the name of Jesus. And I think, um, when I think about Mandy, I think she was an excellent cheerleader for her family. I don't think that has lessened at all. I think that uh, when I think about what the future might hold for you, Mel, and your children and grandchildren, you will no longer hear your wife and your mother and your grandmother say your name. But anytime the decision presents itself in your lives and you choose Jesus, I can picture her running through the streets of heaven saying, he knows your name, he knows your name. May God bless you as you grieve the loss that is her gain, made possible possible by knowing the name of Jesus. I want to close with the following scripture. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name of That is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God bless you as a family as you grieve the loss of your wife and mother and grandmother, and may you find strength in knowing the name of Jesus.
0: Thank you Glenn And for you Tony I think there's quite a lot of us here That are so thankful that You knew Glenn's name that day And for the healing That the Lord brought in your life since that So how long ago was that? 20 some years 24 years, thank you Better yet is that God knows Mandy's name Yes, thank you All right, we're ready now for a time of memories. I think some of you family members have been approached and have prepared a time of all statements about Mandy. Um, So why don't all of you that are planning on taking part in that, why don't you come forward? You can stand here at the mic, and there's a handheld mic here as well. And then right after that... John, if you'll come and give the um, the obituary and lead in prayer. All right, come on up when you're ready.
4: My mom, Amanda Petersheim, lived her life to its fullest every second she had breath. She has touched so many lives with her smiles, her laughter, her attention to the tiniest little details, and her outlook on life. She loved her children and her grandchildren with all her heart and would do anything for them there's nothing that meant more to her than time spent with her family she loved sharing her talents for baking and sewing with her grandkids and was so excited to buy our daughters their first tea sets and sewing machines she strived to make every moment with them and with us a special memorable one when we were adopting our youngest daughter alora She organized an entire yard sale to help us raise some of the necessary funds to bring her home. Mom was always the one, the first one to offer help and the first one to be there in times of need. She instilled in Mike and Chris and myself with the confidence to be ourselves and to live the lives that God had called us to. Mom, thanks for everything you've given to us. We're going to do our best to live up to your example. We're going to miss you so much. We love you.
5: I was having trouble uh, collecting my thoughts the past few days. And uh, the memories that jumped out for some reason were Uh, Just the values that she's inculcated in us, values like hard work and determination and happiness in what you're doing, and these were kind of scattered thoughts, and I didn't think I'd be able to write anything down, Uh, but God reminded me of some verses that do a better job of... uh, collecting these thoughts than I could do myself, so I'm just going to read this. Throughout several difficult times in my life, these verses in Ecclesiastes have carried me. Although Ecclesiastes isn't normally where we go to find comfort, I think this portion encapsulates Mom living into a promise from God. Ecclesiastes 518 to 20. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat to drink and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. They seldom reflect in the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Mom absolutely exhibited this gift from God to be able to enjoy her work with gladness in her heart.
2: We have a song titled Worship, Words and Melody. Written by Amanda D. Petersheim. Aunt Mandy wrote a number of songs, and this is one that she had copyrighted in 1999. And her family found it in her Bible and asked that we sing it here today. Hello, my name is Pastor Steve Lee from Astatula, Florida. My son Matthew Lee married Christina Lee, uh, the daughter of Mandy Petersheim, almost 14 years ago. And um, it was almost, it was around that time that we came to Pennsylvania the first time to uh, meet the family, to meet Mel. uh, Uh, Mandy's husband and to meet Mandy and the whole family Uh, Mike Anthony Chrissy the whole family and it was a very special time Uh, we had no idea at the time uh, how blessed we were that my son was marrying into this family and uh, I sincerely mean that Um, ever since that day we have seen uh, what a very loving and a very special family uh, this has been Mandy, from the moment we met her, she was a lady with a great big smile, and when I looked at the bulletin uh, this morning and I saw the the picture on the front, I saw that big smile again, and it was just a smile that makes you feel warm uh, all over, and uh, uh, one thing I can really say about Mandy is that she really, really loved her family. It was all about the family. And, you know, it's such a virtue. I think that's what we would all want in a mother is a mom that just kind of put their family first. And she was that kind of a mom. And she she loved you guys dearly. And, Mel, she loved you too as her husband. I believe this is probably the most difficult thing that any human being can face is when they lose a spouse or lose a mom, uh, lose a grandparent. It's times like this we need the Lord. And we lean on the Lord. I would like to say that this family, they've been special to us. They've made trips to Florida. They have visited with us. They've came to our church. Uh, Mandy and Mel both have worked in our little church in Astatula, Florida, uh, helping us to start a new church and building some of the structures. Uh, Our church is called Church at the Barn. It was a a plant church. Uh, We started it. And uh, Mandy and Mel, they were so faithful, they came and uh, Mel did a lot of the woodwork. Mandy was right there uh, supporting them, wherever one of them was, the other was too, uh, just a special uh, marriage that they had. Um, Paul, I appreciate so much, he, he donated the doors to our church. And, uh, and immediately I saw something very special in this whole family. Even as I look over, uh, you know, uh, the Peter Shimes and uh, Mel's family and Mandy's family, I just see very loving people, and I believe that comes from the love of the Lord. You know, when you love the Lord and you know, and you have a right relationship with the Lord, you feel His love in you, and and that love, it it just, it comes out of us, and I just want to say it comes out of you today, and it has been such a, a joy to know this family. It truly has. When I also when I think of Mandy, I think of, I think of food. <laughs> Good food. Uh, wherever Mandy was, usually in a kitchen, she's baking cakes and pies and and those wonderful pretzels. She passed that art of making and baking pretzels down to her daughter Chrissy, uh, Chrissy and my son. They started a business down in Florida uh, with that recipe from Mandy, and they've done really well with that. Uh, but i see the blessings of mandy's life on her whole family and uh, i know this family is hurting but i I want to encourage you today to know that she's in she's in heaven do not think of her here in front of you today but she's in heaven Uh, she's walking on streets of gold uh she, she had a heart for Jesus Christ. And the times that I talked with her, the conversations always would center around Jesus Christ. We might talk about a lot of different things, but it would always come back to Jesus. You know, folks, it's all about Jesus. Amen? And um, to this family, I just want to say God's going to help you. God's going to lead you. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you comfort. You have suffered a tremendous loss but it's only going to be a few more days and we'll all see, Mandy, if we have a heart, right heart relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for this opportunity for me to be able to speak today. Uh, I know I come from a different part of the world, but I believe through Jesus Christ we're all brothers and sisters. And uh, we, we love you guys. And anything that we can ever do for this family or any of you, please let us know. God bless you.
6: It has already been mentioned that this is a life celebration for Amanda Slaybach Petersheim, a.k.a. Mel Mandy. That was really how my wife and I learned to know her, Mel Mandy. But then later, as God gave us children, she became Aunt Mandy. And so I think of her as Aunt Mandy. And so just a few memories, reflections. So it was getting close to Christmas time and it was time for the Petersheim Christmas gathering. And the years that Mandy hosted it, we knew before we ever got there that it was going to be, I mean, everything was going to be in order, precise. The table, the decorations, everything, it it was going to be spot on. You see, I believe God gave Mandy a gift for what we sometimes call the finer things of life. Mel commented, he wondered why she ever got him, but that was a God thing. And you know what, Mel? We see this so often. God knows we need balance. Mandy needed balance with that finer things of life. And, and Mel, I, I love you, okay? You're, you're great, and you know the finer things. Of, you, you know what I'm saying. But you know what? It's amazing how God brings husband and wife together. But we we know that, those of us that knew Mandy well, she had a touch for the finer things of life. And it was obvious in the way she prepared for the Peter Schein Christmas gatherings. Usually after the meal the board games would come out and more often than not aunt mandy was at the scrapple board game and let me tell you she didn't play to let you win and let me tell you she had some smarts when it came to words and putting things together she was a voracious reader she loved to read and and it came out in the scrapple game she loved to play And I think she often won the game. Thinking of the finer things in life, I know she loved classical music. Her and I had a difference there because I don't really like classical music. I can listen to it for a couple minutes and I go to something else. But she loved classical music. Again, her gift was gravitating towards the finer things of life. She also loved poetry, and that was evidenced by the singing. And so as a tribute to Aunt Mandy, I would like to read a portion of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem, A Psalm of Life, just just a portion. Tell me not in mournful numbers, life is but an empty dream. For the soul is dead that slumbers, and things are not what they seem. Life is real. Life is earnest. And the grave is not its goal. Dust thou art. To dust returnest. Was not spoken of the soul. Not enjoyment and not sorrow. Is our destined end or way. But to act that each tomorrow. finds us farther. Than today. Friends. Mandy left us a legacy. I'm going to speak specifically to Mel the children, the grandchildren. You have a powerful legacy that is precious. I know you're going to remember it. That legacy is of Aunt Mandy who lived life in earnestness and in realness. I believe she embraced life with her whole being, with her spirit, soul, body, with everything. How about us? Are we embracing life in earnestness, in realness. And I believe she lived daily, maybe not thinking about it consciously, but subconsciously, that tomorrow, she's gonna be more like Jesus. And the next day, more like Jesus. And as we were reminded, where is she right now? Life is real, life is earnest. And though enjoyment is real, I'm glad for the joys of life. You all have had many of them, and you're going to have more. Yes, you are. You know that. You're going to embrace them. Life also has sorrow. But we know that's not the end. Rather, the joys and sorrows, the enjoyments and the sorrows are for the purpose of leading us to the end in the presence of Jesus.
7: read the obituary for Amanda D. Schlebach, Petersheim, 70, of Gordonville, peacefully passed away in her sleep on Thursday, October 22, 2020. She was a devoted wife, loving mother, doting grandmother, sister, and daughter. She was the wife of Melvin L. Petersheim, with whom she shared 41 and a half years of marriage. In addition to her husband, she is survived by three children, eight grandchildren, she is preceded in death by a stillborn son and her parents. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, at the close of this service, we come to you with heavy hearts, but also grateful hearts for the life of Mandy and what she has given to so many, especially the family. We ask now that um, you took her home to, to just put your hand up of love and care and um, peace upon the family. Thank you for the life she lived. Thank you for the legacy she gave each one she touched and for um, the opportunity to know her and the time that she spent here at this church and the time she spent here on earth. God, help us to to use the things she has given us for your honor and glory. Thank you, God, for life you give us here, to each one here, and help us to live it to the fullest, um, help us to give you honor and glory. And um, when we think of Mandy, help us to remember the Lord, you, uh, the Lord she loved and live our life for you. Thank you for your goodness and your praise and your time um, and your peace you give us in a time like this. In Jesus' name, amen.